Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have a very busy show. It's going to be dominated by ECAC Hockey Talk. Uh, Josh Segan of uh, College Hockey News and uh, will join me a little bit later to discuss uh, some of the things going on in ECAC Hockey. And then Adam Schindler, my Gazette colleague, will be on board to talk high school football as we get set for the uh, state regionals uh, this weekend. Well, last Wednesday, ECAC Hockey came out with an announcement with a change in format to their postseason tournament. The good news is for the women, uh, beginning in 2024, all 12 teams uh, will participate in the tournament. Uh, currently, the format is just the top eight teams. Uh, they have quarterfinal round action and the semifinals and the championship game. Uh, this will give everybody a chance to play in the playoffs, and it's, it's a great thing. And I'm happy for the women. Um, it's been long overdue. And I look at a union team that will finally get to play in the playoffs next year, no matter what happens this year. But I think they're going to earn their way into the uh, postseason this year with the way they are playing, especially uh, you know, unbeaten in five, including a four-game winning streak. So um, great for the women. That should be a, a blast starting next year. For the men, however, I'm a little, I guess, confused, or I think a lot of people are confused, especially some of the coaches I spoke with uh, last weekend concerning a change in the format. And this will be the format that the women will use uh, starting in 2024. Beginning this season with the uh, men's tournament, the first round series will no longer be a best of three. It's basically sudden death. Is win and you're into the quarterfinals, and that's that's going to be uh, very tricky because I don't know if you want to have a 12 seed, 11 seed, been playing off all year, off all, all season, and come in to play, uh, you know, win a one game playoff, and get to the to the quarterfinals, which will remain best of three. Uh, like I said, a lot of coaches are not. They don't, don't seem happy with, with the change. I think uh, the announcement, they had, they had been talking about it over the summer about it, but I, I don't think any – I think a lot of people were caught off guard. I mean, I was. I don't think anybody uh, really knew that was this was on the table. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think there's going to be a backlash, especially if an 11 seed or 12 seed wins and advances to uh, uh, the next round. I mean, people go back to 2010 with Colgate, but Colgate had to win one, had to win three game series in the first round. They beat RPI as a 12 seed uh, in, against the number five RPI, and then Colgate comes back the next weekend to the Capital Region, loses game one to Union in the quarterfinals, but then the, wins the next two, and they go on to uh, Atlantic City for the uh, championship round. Which uh, there, there you earn it. I you earn it. But to me, this one game. Playoff uh, for the first round is going to just it's a roll the dice. Uh, if they want excitement for that, great. But I mean, I, I'm not sure it's. I, I, I hearken back to something in the early 90s when uh, the, the the conference changed their format from a I think first to three points back then. When of course they had ties back in in the postseason to a one game playoff, and then RPI was a lower seed against a higher seed Harvard. And RPI ended up winning the game, and then they went next year. Went back to the old format. Uh, they went to a best of three format, and so I, I, I think there's going to be some backlash if we see a lower seeded team advance. And I, I think they're, they're going to get basically as much rest as the um, teams that get first round buys. I mean, you're only playing one game; you're not grinding it out for two or three games. And so we'll see. Um, as I said, the reaction of some of the coaches I spoke with over the weekend. At Mesa Rink, I got the feeling that no one was happy. Uh, we'll start with uh, Union Men's head coach Josh Halji. Want to ask you? Um, on Wednesday, the ECAC came out with the announcement that they're abandoning the best of three uh, first round format for a one game, basically sudden death. Uh, what are you, What are your thoughts about that? I guess it was talked about over the summer. So, what, do you like the idea, or would you rather see a best of three? Well, I like the idea that the women get to get to play, yeah. you know, a, um, you know, one game and and the five through you know twelve round. Um, it, I, I like our guys have the ability to play as many games as possible, but but I also think it's it shows how important the regular season is, and um, you got to try to fight to earn that by. And then if not, the you know the five through eight really have the advantage of playing one game at home, so it, it's important that yeah you do well in the regular season. 
what, what happens if it's like a 12 knocks off somebody, you know, you had some lower upsets. I mean, that could really upset a lot of people. And I, I remember back in years ago when they had a one-game quarterfinal, RPI was lower seed at Harvard, one at Harvard, and next year they went back to the best of three. Yeah, I, I think there's been some times here recently, too, where teams have lost that first game. But, um, you know, I, th- I think that's why it's so important to try to fight for the bye. And, um, you know, you get that, you get three games for sure. So um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of the way it's going to go. And I think it'll be cool for those one games. I think the, the buildings will be, you know, there'll be more energy just because there's one game for it all and it's not, a, you know, best of three. Um, I know some of those Sunday games, there's there's nobody in it, and your season's kind of on the line, and there's there's nobody there. So I think you know administrations will be able to market it well and really try to pack the house for those one game series. I spoke with uh, Halji after Friday's game against Dartmouth, the four one victory for Union, and also spoke with the uh, Dartmouth head coach Reed Cashman. Um, this week, the ECA, ECA announced that they're going to go a one play, one game format for the first round. Uh, you know, were you surprised by that, or you know, why do you like that idea? Not surprised by it because we talked about it in the summer. I think we would we would prefer to to keep it as is. We like the the best of three. I think it provides some really good ex- excitement for the league. Um, but obviously the commissioner and administration win that direction. On Saturday, after Harvard's five-one win over Union, I spoke with uh, Crimson head coach Ted Donato. Uh, yeah, I don't think Ted's teams will have to worry about uh, playing in that first round. Uh, they were impressive against Union. Uh, they'll be certainly getting a first round bye, barring any major setbacks with injuries or anything like that. But uh, here's what uh, Ted Donato had to say. I wanted to ask you about the uh, announcement Wednesday from the ECAC is saying they're only going with the uh, basically a sudden death first round. What do you, I mean, you're probably not going to be involved in that, but what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I think that. Um you know, there's always um, some things that maybe as as coaches we don't have, um, you know, as much of a, an understanding or full control of. Uh, you know, sometimes the, uh, you know, the economics of, you know, um, involved with the costs of, you know, the playoff uh, format. I, I can say that um, as coaches and, you know, uh, trying to advocate for our student-athletes, um, you know, we we liked the, you know the the format. We liked uh, the, the you know 12 teams making it into the playoffs. Um, you know, so uh, you know I, I'm not uh, entirely sure. You know, all the reasoning behind it. Um, you know, but I, I think uh, as coaches, I think we're in pretty good agreement that um, you know that we'd like to keep the format as it is, and we feel like uh, you know for our student athletes. Uh, you know, it's it's a great experience. There's the risk there of saying the 12 seed, 11 seeds pulled off the upset in the first round. Uh, is is that fair? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, I, I think there can be cases either, either way. Um, but I, you know, I think that um, you know, with the top four getting a, a buy, um, you protect you know their ability to. You know, to have to be beaten in a, you know, a, a series. Um, you know, but you know, I do think if you're the fifth seed and you get knocked off by the twelfth seed, you may feel differently about it. But um, you know, I, I think for me, you know, it's the only playoff format that I've known. You know, since I've been uh, at Harvard, and uh, you know, so f- for me, I, I think. Um, I look at it more from a student-athlete perspective, and I think they really enjoy that opportunity that, you know, um, you can you know you can make a run at the end of the year. On Monday, uh, ECAC Hockey Commissioner Steve Hagwell met with uh, myself and uh, Dan Rubin of USCHO.com to discuss uh, the, um, the change in format, and uh, here's what Steve had to say. Well, Steve, uh, let's talk about the decision. Uh, it- Maybe caught some of us by surprise. Been talking with a couple of the coaches uh, this weekend. They said, "Yeah, it was been t- was discussed," but I, I think they may have been even caught off guard. So, what led to this decision about the the men's format changing from best of three to a one game first round uh, format? Well, it was the conclusion of a long review. Um, 
of our league structure, the playoff structure, what our men's structure looks like, what the women's structure looks like, and where this league is going uh, moving forward. We have this current playoff format or the previous one for, what, 20 years? Um, and, you know, we looked at everything. I mean, there are some who want to go to eight teams and uh, some who want to do 12 and single games on the docket. You look at other leagues, what they've gone through um, with single games. And so we, we had a discussion, and it was quite a lengthy discussion. It took started in um, probably the spring and went through all summer and uh, finally came to a decision. Uh, is it a financial situation that, that led to this? Uh, that's certainly part of the, the mix. I don't think it's one single thing, but, you know, we reviewed, excuse me, reviewed the financial aspect of it as well um, and what we're doing and, again, where we're moving as a league. So I think we have the same 12 teams on both sides, as you know, and the men and women, um, there's a strong desire to have the same format. The women are currently at eight. Um, so finances certainly come into play with that, with minimum guarantees, with travel reimbursement, you name it, with uh, the receipts that are expected. So finances are part of it, but not solely. Kind of, kind of off of that, um, was it? Was there? Considering, like, what were the the benefits to keeping the, the second round at best of three instead of doing the the single the single format or shortening it, keeping it at twelve teams? Uh, what were kind of the the, the benefits to, to moving to the format that are that it's in? Um, benefits, I think we looked at protecting the high seeds, if you will. As you know, the top four get a buy now. Um, and so there's been some sentiment over the years about having discussion about, you know, the first round. And again, not that there's a, a lot, but there's some talk about going eight. In terms of the current format, um, yeah, it was probably protecting the high seeds, if you will. Um, moving forward. But is there a risk in that one game format where you have the number 12 seed, number 11 seed ended up end up winning and also the fact that the, the, the teams that have to play in the first round aren't really going to have to exert themselves in playing the possible three games as opposed to one and they get a chance to maybe rest just as much as the, uh, uh, the teams with the bye. I don't know if that's a risk to have 11 and 12. I mean, that happens in the previous format we've had not very often but uh, 11 or 12 advanced to the next round and I think it might have been Colgate one year when they were the 12 seed and got to whether we won in Atlantic City or Lake Placid etc. Yeah, Atlantic so, City yeah Atlantic yeah. City because they, 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 did, they, did, they did the Capital Regents uh, double, daily double with beating RPI and Union yeah um, we, we really went through a thorough review we, we looked at the history of the previous format and what teams won on the opening night, Friday, depending on what seed you were and what your record was, um, if you came back and won the next two after dropping the opening game. So it was very thorough, and um, at the end of the day, we came up with the format that was announced. Speaking as a guy who's worked for an 11 seed that's won a few of those best of threes, I, uh, I, I've been on, been on the receiving end of a couple of those. Uh, <laughs> low, low seed gets through a couple times, so yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's why you play the games, right? Yeah. Um, the response from the coaches, I know you said that, um, Ken said that it kind of took them a little bit by surprise, but for you, the, just the, the overall conversation from them was, was it kind of overall, I don't want to say heated, that's not the term I'm looking for, but were there strong opinions to go one way versus another? I think it's fair to say that the coaches, the men's coaches, wanted to retain the format that's been in existence for the previous 20 years. There's no question about that. As far as uh, down the road, would you consider going to a one-game quarterfinals uh, format, or you would you like to keep that at best of three? I'm not going to go out on that limb. I don't know, Ken. Um, I really don't. We review, we're constantly reviewing things, whether it be sites, Lake Placid, home sites, etc. Um, I, I don't know what the future holds, so as far as the women uh, going to 12 starting next year, I mean, how important is that to get that done? And I know from a couple of coaches, I think even uh, Brian Vines was very vocal last year on Twitter about that. So uh, what does that finally, to finally get to 12 for the women, what does that mean? I, I think it's great. I think that's where this league is headed. 
Um, I think that the administrators who oversee and run this league want that in terms of the men and women should be comparable in terms of the formats that they have. I mean, we have a mirror, I always use the term mirror league. We have 12 teams that are equally voted, isn't the right word, uh, committed to their men's and women's programs, period. Does this mean that the women's regular season will start a little earlier now because you have that extra week? Um, they do by NCAA rules right now just because of the way the timing works. You back up from the NCAA championship and you go to 25 weeks. So um, they will have, and they do have, the current normal start date. Um, basically, uh, I cleared, from a scheduling standpoint for next year, cleared a week because to go to a three-weekend scenario. Um, so, yes. Will they start a little bit earlier? Um, it's kind of a crunch. It's, it's, it's a small window. Well, for most people, we'll say hockey is much long outside of hockey. Um, it's a window, and I just have to fit the league schedule within that window. You said some some coaches thought about maybe, or it's not maybe coaches, but you've talked about some people wanted to go back to the 18 format. Why, why would they think that? I mean, is it just less... They just think people teams should earn it more, or no? That's been going on for twenty plus years. Ever since I've been in this league, there, there, there's a, a opinion that hey, you play a season, why does everybody get in the playoffs? There's the mentality that hey, that's what top eight, as an example. So that's neither right nor wrong. It's it's an opinion, and we have those discussions, and we're not there. But I, I don't think that's been any different since. Like I said, when I first joined this league, there are those who think eighth is the right number. I was going to slide in and say that Ken has literally asked every question that I've had kind of in my head, so that's why I'm not doing much here. So I'm just letting him kind of run with it because he's asking everything I'm going to. And this is why we didn't do two separate interviews. This is literally the exact same thing that I kind of came in with mentally. I'm, I'm set, I, I think. I guess my, my only other my only other question is from a just from a, a research standpoint or from kind of the the process. So when did the from a timeline standpoint? I know that and I'm, I'm sorry if I just don't remember that this that this was mentioned in there, but it was. Uh, when did this kind of come up to change? What kind of went into the decision to apply it for this year versus letting it wait a year and go in next year? Uh, because the playoff format, it, it was set. I mean, we have three weekends. We're sticking with three weekends. So it's not like we would have had to um, alter teams' schedules by, hey, we're going to two weekends, and now you got a free weekend, and what are we going to do? We're going to move everybody and flip games. So I, I don't think that the impact was um, it was lessened because we've stuck with three weekends, and we still have 12 teams in the playoffs. It's just that the first round is a – going to be different in terms of the number of games. That's it. Whereas from a women's standpoint, you know, if, if we're talking about summertime and you're going to change a schedule and go to three three weekends, now suddenly you've got teams dropping non-conference games because they've got to fit a league weekend and move a league week. That was just going to get too messy and, and wasn't wasn't the right thing to do. And just the the last part of it, there is is there going to be a significant savings on the you know, going that one game for the teams that maybe have to travel back-to-back weekends now? I mean, I'm assuming the answer is yes with hoteling and, and stuff like that. I think the realities are, yeah, that, that would be the case. I mean, if yeah. let's use a North Country team going to Princeton, for example, for three games, and then they come home and they win, and then they got to go to somewhere else, Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, whatever. I mean, versus a one-game scenario, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's simple math, but it's simple math, yeah. I caught up with our Union Athletic Director Jim McLaughlin on Tuesday night at the Union RPI Women's Hockey Game, and he uh, gave his thoughts on uh, the change in the format. The change in playoff format um, for the men this year, going to one game, uh, what was the reasoning behind that, you think? So, I think it was really important for us to ensure that we had uh, a a playoff format uh, on both sides that we felt would be great for all of our teams here. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of it was that um, 
as we looked at some of the three-game series in the first rounds, especially when you get to Sundays and crowds and different things like that, it wasn't the atmosphere we wanted. And we feel as though that going to this, um, you know, best of winner take all in game one will really help drive a great atmosphere, great ticket sales, great attendance. You know, it, look at Saturday afternoon type games that could be really great championship experience and it continues to be a model that protects the higher seeds so that one through four is so important. Protect the higher seeds but what do you have a situation if the 11 and 12 seeds end up winning that sudden death game I mean, is there a risk of having you know the better teams not there in the second round? Yeah, of course there is. You know, and uh, it could be the same thing in the three-game model as well too, right? Uh, it's hockey; anything can happen. But I think it just sets up that first weekend to be an incredibly exciting uh, event for the fans, a championship atmosphere, and uh, I think it helps with our attendance overall as well too. Was there a thought about going just a one game in the quarterfinals? We talked about it, so we wanted to, you know, basically put this in place for the first year and. We'll assess and you know, we'll, we'll look at this when we have our annual meetings, but this was a way to start it and see what it was like. How happy are you for the women to finally get all 12? Oh, beyond happy. They, they, did, they deserve it, right? And uh, you know, there, there's so much parity in the league as well, too. Uh, and uh, I think all of our kids should have the opportunity for a championship experience. Coming up, I'll speak with uh, College Hockey News uh, ECAC hockey writer Josh Segan and get his thoughts on the format change, as well as uh, going around ECAC hockey in this early part of the season. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous and healthy 2023. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school. Plus, all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Santa Men's basketball coach Carmen Massarello. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to talk more about the uh, playoff format change for the uh, men in ECAC hockey with Josh Segan of College Hockey News. Of course, he covers the ECAC for uh, College Hockey News. Josh, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, change for them? I mean, let's first, first of all, let's just say this. The women deserve to have 12 teams. Not a problem with that at all. It's the, it's the, the format change of the first round. Uh, I think, and, and a number of coaches I've talked to early on the podcast said, they, 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 I get the feeling they don't like this change. Which is interesting because they would have had to have been voted upon by, you know, members of staff. Um, and I actually thought maybe some of the coaches were probably on board with this. I don't, I don't know. I, I just assumed that some of them thought they needed to get, you know, uh, with, the other conferences that have these one game off um, games in the first round to, to prevent over being team getting overtired, team, you know, stuff like that. But um, I'm not exactly sure what, 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 why the change, it kind of came out of a blue. Um, I, I didn't expect it. I hadn't even heard rumors that it was going to happen. And yeah, then all of a sudden it came out and we'll, we'll see what the effect is. But I can think of some great first round series over the years. I, I mean, I, I can think of a, a couple Colgate Dartmouth series I've seen. You know, there was even a Brown Princeton series a few years ago that went three games. It was very good. I'm sure you could throw some out, you know, over, I'll, I'll, the, I'll, over there in New York as well. I'll, and, go back yeah. to, I'll go back to 2010 when Colgate was the number 12 seed and did the uh, Capital Region Daily Double taking out RPI in three games in the first round and coming back to take Union, who won 
uh, the ECAC regular season title. They took him out in three games in the uh, quarterfinals. So, I mean, I, that, I, I mean, if you do it that way, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think there's going to be a, a big backlash if you have a number 12 team that's playing awful. I mean, I hate to say it, like Yale right now has been, can't score a goal to save their life. But if they, you know, catch fire in one game and knock off a number five seed, that's it's going to raise a lot of hell. I mean, I remember, I go back to the early 90s when the league went to a one-game quarterfinal series and doing away with, getting away from the first and three-point series. And back in those days, they had ties in in the postseason. And Harvard, I think, was the top seed, or you know, number one seed, and, and they posted RPI. And RPI won that game. And then what happened the next year? They went back to best of three. And I think that's going to happen. I, 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 one source told me that the coaches wanted to keep the same format. They voted twelve nothing on it. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I mean, I, like I said, I, that actually said, like I said, it came out of the blue. I, I didn't think it would happen. Um, I just assumed maybe some of the administrators wanted to, you know, to get it to equal uh, footing with other conferences that have these one games to one game now um, in the first round, like hockey East. Uh, I actually think hockey's did away with that, um, if I believe. But um, yeah, like the Big Ten, I think they do a one game as well in the first round. And I'm, like I said, I'm going to miss the three games. I don't know. I, I think there will be less. I think there will be less upsets now. Maybe there will be more. I, I don't know what this will uh, will do um, for the actual competition. Um, maybe you'll get more upsets. Maybe that's what everybody wants. Maybe that's what the administrators want to create some excitement. But um, I don't know if it's a good move. I don't know if it's a bad move. I guess we'll have to see. I mean, one-game hockey playoffs are fun. Yeah. Um, and they're fun. And you're going to be able to do them instead of – one of the biggest issues, I think, of the game threes, right, was the they were on Sundays. Yes. And I think that's so, a lot of I heard of it. The, the, the attendance is off on a Sunday, especially play, if they play a 4 o'clock game. It's just they don't can't seem to get the uh, the people to those games. Well. It's a playoff game. You think people would show up for a, a deciding game three? Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but history tells us, especially in some places, that just does not happen. I mean, I've attended some great attended uh, series before in game three, mostly in quarterfinals at that point, but most of the first-round series are pretty uh, sparse crowds. So you have to think that might have gotten into it. And in general, these first-round series aren't very well attended either. So, you know, maybe it's a cost-saving move and the administrators voted for it. And then, yeah, we got it. So we'll see what the effect is. I mean, one-game playoffs, as I said, is very exciting. Uh, You know, that should get some excitement going and, you know, hopefully get some rivalries going. But um, I know I'm going to miss some of these. I I keep mentioning Colgate-Dartmouth. That's the one I remember. I go to a lot of these series, especially in the New Hampshire, Harvard, you know, uh, Quinnipiac, Yale area. And, you know, I see a lot of these series, and that's a matchup that happens a lot. The three-game series, they're grinding. um, They're entertaining throughout. And yeah, we will. We kind of been robbed of that, but now we'll get the other reward too of a one-game playoff. So I guess let's. Uh, I like being a purist a little bit, but I guess let's see what happens, and uh, maybe we're going to get more upsets, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, going forward with this new format. I mean, just you go. If you play the one game in the first round, and then you go best of three, and then you go, you know, one game, one game in the, in the semis and the championship games. So it's kind of weird to have the. The outlier there with the best of three in the quarterfinals. It seems kind of strange. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. It, it is very strange. Uh, I mean, at this point, why? Why don't? Why wasn't it considered to just make the second round, uh, the quarterfinal round, um, one game series as well? I mean, you could because you could bring up the same issues there, with the with the attendance issues on Sunday, and you know, is it really worth it to do those three? So. I'm not. I'm not saying we should do that, Ken. I would not. I'm not arguing for that at all. But I mean, yeah, it is kind of an outlier that now we're going to one, three, one, one, yeah. and it's it's kind of a strange outlier to me. Yeah. As for the women concerned, it's this is the well, next year with a twelve team format will go into the fact the men have had it since two thousand three. Just your thoughts about the women finally getting to get all twelve teams in. 
I, I, I like having all 12 teams, and obviously you can, you can get, you know, people can give the excuses that, you know, not all 12 teams should make it. There should be some sort of elimination um, and, and all that. But I, I, I personally like seeing all 12 teams because you have teams that, you know, they're not great in the regular season, but they're great uh, tournament teams. You talked about that, you know, Colgate team many years ago mm-hmm. that made it to the championship game as a 12 seed. You know, you, you look at hate to argue about Harvard, but some years they, you know, they're not great in the regular season either. And they, they win, you know, they do very well in the tournament. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's a step forward. I mean, if you want equality, stuff like that, you know, the women's and men's leagues in the ECAC should probably, you know, do the same things. And I I think it's a good thing, especially with the quality of the ECAC women, right? Like, yeah, they they're they're dominant force in the ECAC in the NCAA there. So, yeah, it's exciting to see all twelve teams because all twelve teams are very competitive in the ECAC. Yeah, I'm seeing the Union Women's team. It's really for the first time since they've gone Division One in two thousand three, two thousand four. They're a competitive team. I mean, uh, I saw them Tuesday night against RPI. Uh, it was a third game in five days, and they have final exams coming up, and they look tired and they weren't crisp. And you know what? Past years they lose that game, but they end up winning an overtime two to one. Uh, during the, I mean, I think this year with the final year of having to qualify, I think this is the year they finally finally do it after many years of just struggles and just some bad teams. Yeah, I mean it's good to see Union women, but like I said, up and down the league, right? The, yeah. You know, you know, you have the Quinnipiacs, you have the the Princetons, you have the Colgates that have been good. I don't follow the women's side as much, but I, you know, I do follow the Clarksons, Cornells, Harvards. Like, you know, you look at the quality in the women's side on the ECAC. My goodness, um, they can pretty much fill the NCAA tournament with just teams from the uh, from the league. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was good. It's good to see Union uh, women doing good as well. Well, let's uh, talk about the men's uh, so far this season. And then I had a chance to see Harvard Saturday night, and boy, oh boy. <laughs> they are good. I mean, they're six and zero right now in the league. Seventeen points leading the way. Seven zero and zero in uh, overall record. Just beating New Hampshire on Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see Harvard, but my guess is, my goodness, they're good. Yeah, I mean, they're very good. I mean, that was very that was expected, right? Like they're they're just you know they're just talented. They have the Matthew Coronados of the world. They have the you know Sean Farrells of the world. Uh, you have all those guys. You even had, um, you know, Henry Thrun that came back for another year. Alex Laferriere, like, and then I don't even think that those a lot of those guys have even picked it up yet. I mean, you look. Well, Coronado already has eleven points. You know, five goals for, for the season, averaging almost a goal a game. I mean, this is a first round pick we're talking about here, and it's just they have the most. They tied. They have the most draft picks in in NCAA hockey. I think they tied with Michigan, if I believe. Yeah. Um, and those two teams play next week. Good. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and, you know, there's just the talent there. And, you know, they had the confidence from finishing last year strong. And, you know, I, I think one of the things about Harvard, I think I saw it last year, too. I think they're defensively as good as I've seen them, it, you know, maybe since I've been covering the league, which is over a decade, I, you know, they, they were right there with Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac you know, about 1.5, 1.6 goals per game or something like that allowed. Yes. And, yeah, they, I mean, that's the same way they're starting this year. I beat New Hampshire last night 3-1. to one. Um, You know, they're, they're just, they just, they just look like a well-oiled machine. They're going to be tough to beat, but obviously you have a very good Quinnipiac team, too, in the, in the ECAC as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not a runaway by any means. I mean, Ram Peckbold's teams do well in the, in the, in the regular season, but you know, when it comes to tournament time, you look at this Harvard team and you're like, Hmm, they could be, they could be a frozen four type team. Yeah. I think, I think so. I mean, they definitely look, I mean, it's seven Oh and Oh is saying it, but they also haven't really, you know, in fairness to some other teams, some of the Ivy league teams that, you know, they haven't really paid anybody of, of any quality yet. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, else we're the, really the conference right now. I mean, Union, obviously, new coach and Josh Halge. Uh, they're three and three in conference play and uh, five, eight, and one overall. Uh, but how do you think Josh Halge has done so far? Oh, I think he's done great. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've always had a good, 
you know, I've always had good rapport with, with, with Josh. He's, he's a fantastic coach. I mean, I think we're starting to see how important he was up to up at Clarkson a little bit as well. He's, yeah, I mean, he's had a tough schedule though. You look, you look at the schedule, they've played Connecticut, you know, a team in the top 10, you know, one of the, they've been kind of, um, they've been very strong. Massive, obviously UMass. It's not, you probably don't want to probably open up an open room there. If I talk about them, yeah, 14 you know, win against Clarkson. <laughs> yeah. They've been, Clarkson's been a little bit disappointing, but you know, that, that's still a good win. Clarkson will still be there at the end of the year. So yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's doing well. I mean, he has, he has a larger roster. So at some point, you know, that, that becomes, you, know, you would think that depth would, would suit them well, especially later towards the end of the year. Um, and you know, it's, 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 it's always tough the first year you're getting used to everything. You're getting used to being a head coach for the first time, especially in his situation. And then, you know, you're getting used to a team and you know, he has 30 plus players to get used to, which is, you know, at, at, at the high end of what a roster, I think I, they might have the biggest roster I've seen ever. And, yeah. And, and, you know, the ECAC hockey, I mean, you had, I mean, you compare that to the Yale team last year who had 22, whatever it was, players. But, you know, now to have 30 plus is, you know, just it's a high number. It, it takes a lot of gelling for a new coach. Usually new coaches don't start to play a, play an effect until about midway through the year. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned um, earlier, it just really, no other way to describe it, but awful. I mean, they've been shut out four straight times. I mean, I, I can't recall no. a team getting blanked as many times in a row as uh, they have. And you, I mean, they really came on strong toward the end of last year. You thought maybe that momentum carry over, but no. something's something's a miss down there at New Haven. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, they've been shut out four straight times. I mean, you kind of saw it a little bit late last year as well. I mean, they did struggle to score. I think their leading scorer didn't, you know, had single digit goals. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you would wonder, I mean, the defense is, you know, okay, but cause they, you know, they preached at, you know, being difficult to play against, but you know, we have long memories and remember those, you know, high flying Yale teams that scored crazy amount of goals every, every game, yeah. um, you know, about what, almost a decade ago now. My goodness, we're getting, I'm getting, I've been in this business too long, Ken. So have um, I. I've been longer than you have. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have, but, but my goodness, yeah, but they, they've just definitely been a little bit, I thought they were going to take a big, uh, a big step, and um, it's been kind of a little bit of disappointing down there in New Haven, but on the other side, you have Quinnipiac there in Hamden, just next door, up the street, Yeah, and they've been very good as well. I mean, they they're seven one and seven seven one and two on the year, and you know four and zero in conference, as I said. And you know they're an old team. I mean, you look at the you look at the uh, the experience that they have. You know, you have you know graduate students up and down. That's kind of what their mo has been over the last few years. You know, guys like Ethan DeYoung, senior. You know, a graduate student Zach Metza, who had a really fantastic year last year. On the on the defensive side, you know they have what one, two, three, four, five, six, like six grad students, and you know they have uh, an old union player and um, Colin Graff is actually their leading leading scorer right now. Yeah, just so yeah, they they have some uh, they definitely have some firepower there, and no struggle to score goals on that side in New Haven. Yeah, Graff had a hat trick against Yale on Saturday, so uh, it's uh, I'll be interested to see. I I think he could have been a really good player for Union, but uh, obviously. I mean, somebody must have sweet-talked him in the, to coming to Quinnipiac, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's been happening a lot. Like, you know, that's that's something in the past, you know, the players go to Quinnipiac, and I think it's a lot of academics. Is You know, there's a lot of opportunities there, and, you know, New Haven's a, a nice area to be in, you know, close to New York City. Um, stuff like that. So, yeah, they tend to do that. And that Yale-Quinnipiac series has been odd ever since, you know, Yale beat them in the national title game. I, I think Yale's only beat them, like, once since then, in two, since 2013, or something crazy like that. And, you know, Quinnipiac usually just dominates the game. I think I looked at one point in the stats, and, and the shots were, like, 19-1 to 1 on uh, the other day. And I'm like, wow, uh, wow. Who's the uh, surprise team right now? I mean, I know it's early, but there's, I mean, I'm looking at Princeton. I mean, they come up with two wins over the weekend. 
uh, both shutouts. But, I mean, this is a Princeton team that really struggled last year and looking to turn things around. Yeah, I don't really know if there's much of a. I mean, it's maybe it's a little. Maybe I feel it's a little too early to tell, but maybe Princeton because I didn't think. I mean, you look at you look at the the makeup, and you're wondering, you know, are they going to get out of single digit wins? And you know, it, is there is there enough there, especially after the struggles last year? But they've been pretty good um, over the last few few games. But you know, like I said, they're only two, three, and zero. Oh, it's 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 really early to be able to see that. I, I do think maybe maybe the one I'm a little bit surprised about, maybe that Colgate team, you know, only being four seven four and seven right now and yeah. struggling as much as they did in the in the uh, uh, non conference portion of the schedule. I thought they were going to be very good. I thought they were going to be a top four top four team. And I mean, you can even look at Clarkson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we're not just talking about the uh, the conference play, but Clarkson's only four four and you know four and four and two overtime losses as well and you know um, you know they're they've been up there in the top of the ECAC for you know the last half decade um, and you know they even they've had some you know, struggles this year um, as well I mean they 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 got swept opening weekend New Hampshire and Merrimack swept them. You know, like at home of all places, and then you know it's kind of been uneven. But it looks like they're kind of back on track now. They've won four out of, they won five out of six, and you know maybe that maybe they've turned the corner. But you know that's still a little bit of surprise because you would expect them to come out. They've always they've, they've been very good in non-conference play over the last half decade or so. So yeah, maybe there are a few surprises. I, I think the you know, Princeton may be one, and I think there are a couple on the other side. They're, they you know they've kind of struggled a little bit. Well, Josh, I appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll continue to watch your uh, coverage on uh, uh, college hockey news, and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. It's always good to chat with you and uh, get your wisdom as well. I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks again. That's uh, Josh Segan of uh, College Hockey News coming up. Adam Schinder, my Gazette colleague, will talk some high school football. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Daily Gazette editor Miles Reed. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous and healthy 2023. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in New York. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hey, I'm Frank Caliendo, pretending to be Morgan Freeman, maybe even a little bit of John Badberg. Robert Downey Jr., uh, comedian, impressionist, playboy, philanthropist, maybe not the last two. And you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and we're getting ready for high school football or state regional action this weekend. Uh, a couple, four games on Friday, one on Saturday, and to discuss that is our Gazette uh, high school football expert, Adam Schinder. Adam, you got all five picks right. I got all five picks right last week, but... I guess the big story continues to be what Niskewin has been doing. They win their first uh, Section 2 title last week, and they're going on to the originals. Yeah, an absolutely fantastic story, uh, what Niskewin has done. We were going to get a... a, uh First-time Section 2 champion in Class A, no matter what, between Niskayuna and Avril Park. And the uh, you know, Silver Warriors scored on the first play of the game, pretty much never looked back. Uh, 35-6 win for a team that, you know, a handful of years ago was playing down in Class... was a Class A team that was voluntarily moving down to Class A as a non-playoff team just to build the team back from a really long time of struggles. Uh, what we've seen them now, the classification shifted. They moved into, they moved naturally into Class A as one of the bigger teams in the classification, and uh, they've grown tremendously under head coach Brian Grassdorf. And uh, yeah, now for the first time ever, they're out in the regional. They're out in the regionals, and uh, four teams on Friday that all get to play actual home game or you know relative home games. Which uh, is pretty good for these teams, especially uh, these Class C and D teams that don't have to travel out to uh, 
to basically French Canada to play uh, to play. <laughs> and they, you, and you'll you'll see it you'll see it in when we if, when we talk about Ravina. But uh, the teams that have to go up to Section Ten to Ogdensburg and Gouverneur, you're basically playing in in, in Quebec. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> having traveled up there many times with Union Hockey, yes, you're very close to the Canadian border. Yeah, when, up the, there. when the when the road signs start also being in French, you know you're a long way from home. <laughs> well, it's just what is it about in this game? We, we I think we touched a little bit uh, last week, but. What is it about this program that they have come so far uh, to get to this point? I mean, it's a program that uh, I dropped by that team when uh, right before the season, first couple of days of practice, and, and Brian Grassdorf was optimistic. This was a team that brought a lot of experience back on the line that they really liked, and then they had to build a little bit uh, with some younger skill guys because uh, they replaced really their best player from a year ago, their quarterback Dan Quinn. Uh, so that was the big kind of growing pains for them early in the season was figuring out the skill position guys. And, you know, their their first game they went out, uh, played a Section 9 team, one uh, pulled out a win at uh, at Casey Stadium in Albany, and then back-to-back losses to, to Saratoga Springs and to LaSalle, where really it just looked like the offense was still sorting itself out. Uh, they kind of got a get-right get game against Queensbury, which was a get-right game for a bunch of offenses around the area this season. And from that point, offensively and defensively, they've just gelled. They have a bunch of different guys they can put the, uh, the ball into the hands of. Uh, you know, their quarterback, Ethan Gilson's really developed. And then, uh, you know, really excellent senior wide receiver in Davion Wimberly. But uh, freshman Cam Grasso, who's got a tremendous Section 2 football lineage, uh, has really stepped up as well. And then uh, their running back combo of Isaiah Lanier, D'Angelo uh, McLaughlin, Chase Nappy. They've all made some big plays, while the defense has really, really played well. That was a defense that, you know, they <coughs> Avril Park to six points after Avril Park had put up 42 on a really good Burn Hills defense the week before. Yeah, the listeners, if you excuse me for a second here, I'm battling a call, so you may hear me coughing off and off here. But I think the one game this good, I think that was an eye-opener, was the game at... Boston Spy, I believe, where they won that game on the road, and I think so. That's maybe yeah, sort that, of that was the absolute. That was nobody really knew about Niskayuna or Boston Spy heading into that game. And that game, uh, if you figured that Burnt Hills was going to be in the playoffs, the Niskayuna the Niskayuna Boston Spy game was basically at the midpoint of the season a playoff elimination game uh, for one of those two teams. Uh, theoretically, it ended up not being for Niskayuna because they ended up beating Burnt Hills. But that was the game. Uh, Niskayuna had come in. They'd started to play a little bit better, but they had those couple of dents early in the schedule. Boston Spa had looked really good. Uh, they'd beaten Saratoga, so that was a little bit of a heads up. But when uh, Niskayuna got that win, that's when you really started to look, especially for a Niskayuna team that started hot last year and then kind of fizzled through the back half before they uh, closed with a pretty good win in a crossover game against Amsterdam. That was the moment that, yeah, everyone, by the way, all right, this team's going to be in the playoffs at this point, and they might be for real, and they've really proved they are. What's it going to take to uh, for Niskayuna to beat Canandaigua Academy? Uh, yeah, Canandaigua Academy, it's it's weird. They're one of these three Section 5 teams, uh, that Section 2 teams are playing, who are technically at-large teams. They were the Section 5 A2 champions. I believe they just split the classification down the middle, held two championships, one, uh, and this was just the team that has to travel east. Uh, Niskayuna just has to keep doing what it's doing. They've won eight games in a row. They played really, really good football as of late. And uh, again, they just, they need to do what they did against Avril Park. You start fast. Uh, you get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, and then you let your defense uh, carry the rest of the way. How important is it? I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the other games in a minute, but we mentioned Friday night. Uh, all the games are going to be here in the area. The Class A, the Class A games at Gilliland. The uh, Niskayuna game will be at Shen. Uh, the Class C game at Mechanicville, the Class D game at Broadway and Perth. How important is it for these area teams to be able to be close to home and not have to yeah, get on the bus early oh, Friday morning? I mean, it's, all, it's, always, it's always important, especially when you consider what the weather might be out in the western part of the state in the back half of this week. But uh, they already moved the Far West uh, games to Monday, uh, knowing that that's potentially going to there are potentially uh, snow issues. But yeah, this Kiuna has a you know a twelve minute ride to Shenandoah. Canandaigua's got three and a half hour drive. Uh, cannot be stated. It's sometimes that helps teams. Sometimes a team can get off a bus with a ton of pent up energy. They'll start really fast. Sometimes it can slow you down. Niskayuna is obviously going to have a far more regular routine. You know, they wouldn't have played at Shenandoah this year, but these are kids who have been to Shenandoah yeah. for many sporting <laughs> events over the time of over the time their time in high school. So they know what they're they know what they're doing at that point. Obviously, you would expect they have far more of a home crowd. Uh, 
high school football, you never know, uh, because it's not like these were earned home games. These were these were set up based on uh, regional rotation, but it's certainly an advantage. Who do you like in that game? Uh, not knowing very, very much uh, about Canandaigua outside of what uh, our, uh, our good friend Jim Schultz has written, uh, I just like Niskayuna's momentum. They very much remind me of the 2015 Amsterdam team that started 0-3 and ended up to the state semifinals. Uh, this Niskayuna team would be in the state semifinals under, already under the old system. Uh, this is, I believe, the second year where at-large teams are added in. So in, in A, AA, and B... <coughs> Section 2 would traditionally just have a bye. These teams yeah. would be off this week and then just be in Middletown next week. Now they got rid of it just to make it a little more fair. I actually I like the system. It's a rotating uh, basis. Who gets the at-large teams? They'll come through Section 2 in a little while. Uh, but that's who they remind me of, a team that started a little slow and really found its identity late in the season. But uh, the game at Gillen will be CBA against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I don't want to say Pittsburgh, but yeah. Pittsburgh. Uh, 7 o'clock Friday night, CBA took care of business again against Shenandoah in the rain on Friday. Yeah, one of two Section 2 teams that got through the through the section undefeated this year, CBA, and another team we'll talk about in a minute, Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. CBA, you know, got to a, got to the, around this time last year, ran into some tough teams down in Section 1. Uh, be interesting to see, would really be nice to see the brothers, uh, who have a lot of potential to, to live up to this. Uh, you know, Bobby Burns, their head coach, has won a lot of games uh, in Section 2 and in the state playoffs. He's a guy to lead you. Uh, and, you know, Donald Jones, their quarterback, he's only a junior, but he's as good a player as there is in the section. And he's if, if they're going to go on a postseason run, they can absolutely do it on his back. Who do you like in that one? Uh, not know again, not knowing yeah. very much about about Pittsford. Uh, I've seen the CBA team in person. I've been impressed. I think they can pull this one out. I'll go with CBA. I think I don't know if I mentioned. I'll go with Niskun in the Class A game. Uh, Class C game at Mechanicville. We meant you mentioned Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. They're taking on Governor. Yeah, yeah, Governor. Uh, you know, these sec, these C and D, these C and D teams and, and B as well can always give Section Two trouble. Uh, those tend to happen a little bit more when those games are way out on the road. This Warrensburg Lake George North Warren team, we've mentioned it you know, pretty much every week, has just been putting up monstrous numbers. Uh, you know, they beat Skylerville twice in a season, uh, which is n- really no small task. Uh, I believe they've ri- they've risen way up in the state rankings throughout this season. Uh, team, I'm really really impressed with. Governor is a team that gives Section Two teams trouble, uh, but a lot of times it is going up out there. I believe uh, a few years ago, uh, Greenwich ran into a, a Governor or an Ogdensburg team. But you do those long trips yeah. coming down in Mechanicville. Uh, it's, again, it's not a super short trip for Warrensburg either. Uh, yeah. You know, they've got to travel a little bit. But I would like Warrensburg just because. They do. They run the ball. They dominate you physically, and then they can make some big plays. There's a couple things I know about Gouverneur, the, the town itself. Mm-hmm. There's a state prison near there, and it's the head, corporate headquarters of Kinney's Drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a McDonald's I always stopped on on the way up to uh, Clarkson and Salem. I was back when I was traveling with uh, Union Hockey. I want to go with the uh, the Warrensburg Lake George North Warren and win that one at Class D Friday night. It's actually a 5:30 game. At Broadham Perth, Cambridge Salem is taking on Alexander. Yeah, another Section 5 team, uh, at-large team coming out. Cambridge Salem, very similar profile to Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. Probably hasn't put up quite the insanely gaudy numbers, but uh, they can put easily put up 300, 400 rushing yards in a game. You know, eighth grade quarterback, uh, Stephen Yakabak. Uh, you know, again, something that happens in those Doug Luke uh, Cambridge Cambridge programs, they develop players for a very long time. They do as good a job as any one small school really in the state. Uh, I, I would like Cambridge Salem. This is a team that typically uh, succeeds in these quarter in these state quarterfinals. And then on, uh, I'll go with Cambridge Salem as well. And then Saturday, uh, Class B game at Beekman Town, Ravina Quayman Selkirk. Faces Peru. Yeah, uh, this is the game that if I'm going to pick a Section 2 team to lose, it's going to be uh, this Ravine team. It's the exact spot that they lost in last year. It's always tough to go up to the North Country. Always tough. You know, Peru is always a team in that area that just plays tough physical football. Uh, this Ravina team lost the one time it went out of Section uh, earlier this year to, to O'Neill of Section 9. Lost that game pretty convincingly. Played great football ever since then, but... Uh, they kind of, for the second straight year, avoided the toughest possible game in a championship game. You know, they did well, took care of business against Gloversville and Lansingburg, but did not have to face Glens Falls. I can't say anything wrong uh, against them, but I, I would like Peru 
uh, with a bit of the home field advantage to take this. Well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go opposite you just to make it something different. I'll go with Arena to pull off the upset. We'll see what happens. Yeah, so, two, more, week. two more weeks after this, and we're at the uh, at the big JMA dome. Wow, JMA! I'm still not getting used to that. Adam, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. We'll all talk next week. Thank you. That's Adam Schinder. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winner in the Daily Gazette You Pick a Football Contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hello, this is Betsy Lynn from the Daily Gazette, and I come and work with all the wonderful people at the Gazette to help get our papers with our good content out to you every day. I would like to wish you all a very happy holiday season and a great 2023. I'll never forget the day I decided to go out for the football team. Mr. Banks, the JV football coach and my history teacher, asked me to stay after class. I thought I was in trouble. He said, hey, Darius, have you thought about going out for football? I think you'd be great. Fact is, I never played football. Fact is, I never had anyone tell me I'd be great at something. So, with no experience at all, I signed up. And a week later, I padded up and was running drills on the field. I never was great But playing high school sports was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was accepted by my teammates. And I learned that when someone believes in you, you can believe in yourself. Encourage a student you know to take part in a high school sport. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette, Director of Content, Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 10 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest was Mark Audino of Schenectady. Mark wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Mark. The VIP winner was Tom Cotugno of BL's Tavern and Grill. I was 6-8 last week to improve to 94-57-1. Uh, my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder was seven and seven. He is eighty-eight, sixty-one and one. I'll announce the winner of the You Pick'em Football Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the You Pick'em Football banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID nineteen is affecting us in the capital region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Josh Halji, Reed Cashman, Ted Donato, Steve Hagwell, Jim McLaughlin, Josh Segan, and Adam Schinder for being a part of the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I am Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.